Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Daily is Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. I will ride with this group. Seriously, man. Please. And away we go. All right, Purple Daily on draft. It's Combine Week, baby. Strap in. Finally, there's some uh, there's some great things to get into here on Purple Daily on draft. We're going to have a little bit of a Combine preview, who to watch, who not to watch, um, maybe who not to shave, what not to shave. Decided to go with the mustache for the Combine Week. Forno was brushing his hair before the show, and Miles just looking at both of us basically like, what the hell am I getting myself into every Monday? So we'll do a mock draft today too, boys, so that'll be fun. We'll have a mock draft simulation here on PFF. Um, but let's let's also uh, talk about to the cap space going up. What that means for current Vikings players. Uh, I saw both guys tweeting about that over the weekend. But for now, let's start with a little bit of combine preview. It's finally combine time in Indy. Forno, do you have anyone that you're really circling that could really up their stock, or that the Vikings should be watching a lot uh, at the combine this weekend in Indianapolis? There's a couple guys that I think could really improve their stock, especially after what we got to see in Mobile. And I'm going to focus on. Uh, Darius Robinson from uh, Missouri. He's like an edge rusher, five technique, three technique hybrid, really good player, especially if you want to play a lot of multiple and odd fronts because you can kind of use them everywhere. What's really interesting about him is he's 286 pounds. He's got long arms, but the farther out he got, the better his pass rush win rate was, but he can dominate you from the inside. And I think like a five technique that you can kind of move around similar to how the Vikings would move around guys like Darius Smith and Daniel Hunter move them far out and then move them inside to be able to create advantageous matchups. I think is a really interesting idea for him. If he tests really well, there's like a non-zero chance he could go top 20 because of that versatility element that he brings. And I don't think NFL teams will be quite as sold on Johnny Newton and Byron Murphy. The second as maybe the media scouts are, because I think there are major size questions for both of them, especially Murphy who essentially played nose tackle. In college, even with Tavondre Sweat next to him, he was the one playing zero and one technique. So I think that that could end up pushing him up just because of this, the unique size and athleticism profile that he would bring. Then the next one is Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky. He is a Debo Samuel archetype. That is what you're getting. You're getting a guy who's phenomenal after the catch, who really creates and dominates down the field, but he catches a lot of like crossing routes. He can do a lot of the deep stuff. The senior bowl even comped him to Anquan Bolden based on how he wins. And then at the senior bowl, he showed he can win with a little more nuance and a little more diverse route tree. And it's one of those age old uh, theorems. Just because you didn't do it in college doesn't mean you can't probably means you just weren't asked to do it. And in that air raid, which they had multiple offensive coordinators over the last few years, all of whom have had great success. They asked him to be the yak guy. And he was really good at in 2022, 40 missed tackles force. That's incredible for a wide receiver. So if he tests anywhere in the four forwards, that could shoot him up to like uh, beginning of the second round. I I don't think he's going to get into the first, but it's a non-zero chance because of what he brings, how Debo Samuel has changed the 49ers offense when he's healthy. 
and Corley really hasn't had any medical issues in college. Like a pulled hamstring, that kind of thing. Everybody suffers a pulled hamstring every now and then it's football. It's what happens. So those are two guys I'm looking at, but really you just don't want to have a disastrous day. But if you have an exemplary day of testing Mm -hmm. that can open eyes to be like, Hey, this guy is testing just freakish. Maybe there's something here. Miles, how about some of the wide receivers? I don't know if there's any wide receivers that you want to talk about. I know you love talking about them. Uh, Tez Walker from North Carolina, someone that's going to be there. Uh, I believe Brandon Rice from USC, he will also be there. What wide receivers are you kind of looking at here? What Or just in general, what other players at the Combine are you kind of targeting? I mean, the track guys are always the fun ones. Like, that's what that's what we love for the speed guys. You want to see them run fast. Like, so I got, you know, Troy Franklin and, and Xavier Worthy for both guys for me. Both, I think Xavier Worthy is the guy that I think could run that low, low four, three, just the way he plays. Like you see that dude beat, uh, he could beat, uh, he closes gaps very well. And, and um, you have to really take the right angle to get to that guy in, in space. And so I really want to see, he's a track guy too. And so I really want to see like, does his, does his track background play into the fact that he should be able to run a fast 40? Um, and Troy Franklin's this guy I really like on tape. I know uh, I was actually having some conversations with guys from the draft network um yesterday on, on Twitter about uh Troy Franklin just because they worry about his uh his uh strength. But I get it. I think at, at the catch point he's a guy that you worry about. But I think from a uh a speed standpoint, that guy should be able to run that low four four, maybe high four three. We'll see. But I definitely see a four four guy on tape. And I think I just l- would love to see him back that up on uh what do they do on Saturday when they when they test on Saturday. So the wide receivers are always fun for me, and then I also love just the drills they run. The gauntlet was always fun running in high school and college. We always did that just to see how guys could handle the – I know coaches would love to pepper the ball in as hard as they can in a lot of those situations, but it was always fun just to kind of see how guys handle uh, the pressure of a, a ball running at you, coming at you as quickly as they can, uh, running down the, the gauntlet. That's always fun. And then I always get a lot from the, the routes. And I know um, it's just on you, – you're only doing it in shorts uh, in those things, but I always just get a lot out of like how guys sink their hips how they how do they move in space and and utilize the routes that they're being asked to run because at this stage in their training they should be working on all the routes all the core NFL style routes and so when they go to the combine it shouldn't be foreign to them they shouldn't be routes that they've never run in training or and things like that so i want to see how they handle that and then catching the ball obviously confidently you can usually tell how guys how confident they are when they catch the ball um, with their hands and, you know, with their eyes and see if their eyes are, are usually, or are they body catcher? I'm not as like adverse to body catching as people tend to be. It's just about how they do it. I think like Antonio Brown is a prime example to me of being a great body catcher. He had good, he had really good hands, but that dude was the, one of the best body catchers. I think we've seen in the last, you know, two decades. And I think that is a skill set that some guys are better at than others. It's just about how they do it. Are they utilizing like when a guy's coming through contact, are they are they good at the body catching when it's necessary, or are they just doing it because they don't have confidence in their hands? I think there's a lot of nuance that goes into to catching the football that um, I like to take notice to, uh, and the comment can kind of resonate with that. Well, Miles, really quick on that, uh, can you can you teach a guy who's like just so solely a body catcher to be more of a hands guy, or like is that something that you can like uncoachable or make someone coachable more with those hands, or if like. I kind of look at it as like a baseball player too. Like, right. If you're set in your ways and you've come up like this and you have a swing like this, you throw like this. I mean, how do you completely change the mechanics or a mindset to do that? Is that possible to like get a guy who's like out of a body catcher to be more of a hands catcher? Cause I know what you mean where a lot of people like freak out when guys don't have obviously like just <laughs> great soft hands and they have to soft that thing into the body instead. I, uh, it's a hard question. I think there's a lot of things you could do to help teach it to like get more confidence in your hands. But the, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the only way to like, to me, it's all about do they actually have the confidence and the hand-eye coordination to, to do it. Not everybody does. It doesn't mean they can't catch the ball well. It's just about how they catch the football. You know, we always taught like the diamond was up growing up. But that's how right. I was taught. They've kind of adjusted it because of the way the hands the hands position for the football to come into your hands. But, um, yeah, the diamond was always one. And then, like, wrapping your arms around the goalpost and having the ball come into your hands where you can't use your body. I think there's a lot of things that you could do to, like, help build the confidence. But at the end of the day, it's in games. I don't, it's really hard to like give somebody confidence without actually doing it in a game or in practice. So I think those are the areas where, like you really just got to get the confidence to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's more of like a, a skill set thing where a guy wants to, he either wants and is able to do it or he's just more comfortable using his body. It doesn't mean he can't catch the football away from his body, but it's a, it's a good question. I, I do. I, it's one I, 
probably should think a little bit more of because I, I feel like I, I like to think I had confident hands, but of course I always use utilize my body when I needed to as well. Yeah. Um, I, th- I just think it's handy eye coordination at the end of the day, though. I really do for sure. For now, uh, we can also probably do this in a mock draft, but with obviously having the Vikings having Justin Jefferson, and we'll have another conversation on that in just a bit, and Jordan Addison, how important is wide receiver? Uh, for the Vikings draft needs like and it obviously isn't gonna be number one with the bullet and I know neighbors and Harrison Jr. are like basically can't miss prospects and you can make a case neighbor would be the first guy off the board if Harrison Jr. wasn't in this class but how imperative is the, that the Vikings do look at maybe taking a wide receiver in this year's draft I think the, <clears throat> excuse me I think they should and I don't really think it's much of a debate I think they need to take a receiver where is where you're going to have the debate where is going to be okay do you take one around one or round two? The answer is probably no, but I will say Daniel Jeremiah just released his latest top 50, 12 wide receivers in it. Hmm. This is a very good wide receiver class. If you think the value is too good, don't pass it up. NFL draft is where you're supposed to find talent, find talent, figure it out. Free agency, fill holes. So if you think like, let's say Roma Dunes is on the board and we've talked about this on the show before, if he's that good and you believe he's that good, he's the best player on the board. Just take him, figure the rest out later. But th- there's going to be obvious caveats. The top four quarterbacks that have to be gone. And you don't believe in Michael Penix Jr. Bo Nix enough to be willing to take them there. And then there's no trade back option because they're very realistically could not be a trade back option worth taking because you don't want to take too little. You want to make sure you get good value because if you don't get good enough value, that's going to hinder you long-term because teams will be like, Oh, you took this. I'm not offering more than that. Like there's strategy behind your trading. So I have it at seventh. Hold on. Excuse me. I got a bunch of buildup in my throat, but you got, you got a lot of wide receiver takes here. You got a lot of, you got got a lot of stuff. You got to get off. Absolutely. Uh, I have it as the seventh biggest need for the Vikings going into free agency, but wide receiver, you need depth. You can't count on Jalen Naylor. Uh, he hasn't shown that he can be counted on due to injuries and just what he's been able to put out on the field. Brandon Powell and KJ Osborne are free agents. I would expect maybe Powell to return. I don't expect Osborne to return because I just think whatever he's going to get in free agency with a contract is not going to be worth the output he's going to give you. And you're going to have to bring at least two guys in, maybe three, possibly four, depending on what you're doing with some of those like uh, back end players. I would look at early round four would probably be a a value spot, maybe trading back up into round three, or if you acquire a third round pick with a trade down, like guys like Jacob Cowing, Ricky Pearsall, like those are the types of players that I think the Vikings probably will end up targeting because of where they would be drafting. But like I said, if you love a guy and it just happens to be at 11 or 42, just take him and figure it out. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. I mean, Miles, you look at like T. Higgins getting franchise tag. And look, T. Higgins is a good wide receiver. I don't mean to, to, to degenerate it, but the wide receivers here are all over the place. Teams need multiple of them. And yeah, the Vikings look like they obviously have two really damn good ones in J.J. and Jordan Addison. You probably could make the case, yes, yeah, saying goodbye and thank you to K.J. Osborne's probably, you know, the writing's on the wall there. Mm-hmm. So wide receiver for you still obviously remains a, a, a big target, even though a lot of Vikings fans are just seeing like defensive end, obviously quarterback, which I know you're still in on too. But I guess talk. I guess try your best to talk a Vikings fan and do no. You need another wide receiver, and maybe here's why. Well, I just go to the to Kevin O'Connell's offense. I mean, he utilizes that eleven personnel spread a little mm-hmm. bit more of a spread out offense, and with that approach, I know we've they utilized more two tight end sets last year when they got Josh Oliver. But obviously, with T.J. Hawkinson hurt, we'll see kind of how they handle that moving forward. But um, having as many weapons as possible, especially versatile weapons is never a bad thing in the NFL offense wins like offense is going to get you as far as you can go. And like the more weapons you have, the better, especially if the plan, no matter whether the plan is to keep Kirk or to go a young quarterback, 
as many weapons as you can give that quarterback, the better. And the better your offense should be. And I think in, in this case, we saw we saw a prime example of like the Vikings struggling to find that third receiver when they had uh, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. It was always like those two. We're always like, oh, we're good at receiver. We have the two, you know, the best tandem in the league. Blah blah blah. Even though I was always saying we need another one, but like you could see that there was times where like you, when you couldn't sustain drives, you know, when especially when Jarius Wright left, like you couldn't sustain drives. You didn't have somebody that was a true like just move the chains type player for you. And I think that's always an important aspect and skill set to have on your team. And then obviously you can never factor in injuries. Like when somebody gets hurt, like you can't, you can't always ask every guy to play all 17 games. And it's a, you know, it's a brutal league. Guys get hurt. You know, we talked about the, the hamstring injuries. Guy, that stuff happens. Like JJ missed what, seven games, basically eight games last year with a hamstring injury. Now it doesn't mean it'll happen all the time, but you want that depth. Depth is super important. And receiver is one of those positions where the more depth you have, the better the better situations you're in if a guy does get hurt. And you so because you want to keep your offense to be able to roll and you want to sustain drives and and uh, score touchdowns. And the best way to do that is have weapons. And so I think, like what Forno was saying, I think you have two fourth round picks. I think utilizing one of those picks to grab another another weapon is a, would be a great idea. Again, if they don't trade, unless they want to trade down from the second round or whatever. But um, I think they have they have enough capital. And then you bring a Brandon Powell back who can still be your punt returner. But I still think they, they definitely need to utilize a long-term plan to grab another wide receiver um, to help just continue to bolster the offense. Forno, if you were to guess with the cap space, obviously now going up 30 extra million dollars here, who benefits the most from that? Because I, I get the sense that of the three free agents that the Vikings have, by the way, sorry for the, not the clarification. So of Kirk, Justin Jefferson, Daniel Hunter, the cap's going up. And Miles, I love how you put it on Friday. By the way, the cap goes up for every team, not just uh, your own team. But of the three in-house free agents, which one do you think that benefits the most? Who, who ends up getting more of a benefit because the cap going up? Because obviously the Vikings are still in a pickle to having to pay all three of these guys. But is JJ the one that probably ends up getting the bigger benefit because the cap's going up? I guess, how would you kind of try to answer that question? I don't think this impacts JJ at all. I really don't because... He's, he's doing $19.2 this year on the fifth-year option. Yeah, o- Odie's very upset about JJ <laughs> not having uh, gotten a contract extension yet, and he's being vocal. But you can easily shrink that number by around $12 million by bringing him down to the uh, bare minimum. And then let's say a $5 million a year signing bonus. That brings it down to about $6.2 million from the $19.2. $13 million bucks, not 12 13 And then all of a sudden, that money you can just earmark and just give it right to Hunter. So you save $13 million with the, about $30 million in effective cap space the Vikings have. You bring Hunter back on, let's say, a $20 million a year deal. If you have a $20 million cap hit for Hunter year one, now all of a sudden you're cooking with gas. That you're down to about $23 million in effective cap space, and you just brought back a, a all-pro caliber player. So I, I don't think this impacts JJ at all. He's going to get his, and they're going to figure out a way to structure it, especially with how incremental the salary cap is getting. It's going to be significantly easier. We knew it would be like about $7.5 million extra because of the television deals that were signed with, with the NFL Sunday ticket, because that's about how much per team was earmarked with uh, how much the NFL PA was getting, man. Odie is just not a happy boy. Right I now. literally thought that was miles like daughter at home at first. No. I was like, is that miles kids? Cause that's, Forno and I always had the dog babies here, and I know Miles is a dog too. But I was like, "Is that a child? Like, holy!" You would God, know. You would know if it was my dog. My dog's loud. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just Odie. But yeah, I, I don't think this impacts Jefferson at all. He's going to get his money, and it, the Vikings might have to give Neil Hunter the bag because there have been reports surfacing that he's going to take the most money. Which, yeah, good for him. If that's what he wants, then he should go get it. But I think the Vikings can offer the most money, and this makes it more palatable because, like. $13.4 million more than what over the cap was projecting is a significant amount. And yeah. like the thing of this, like, yeah, every team gets that much more cap space, but it makes things easier for you. And then you can do more with it. And I think well, from a Vikings perspective, that's exciting because the defensive line desperately needs it. And now you have more earmarked to be able to go get one of those guys. And I, I think that's really important. Miles, how do you fall on that? Is it Daniela ends up ends up getting more of the benefit here? Is it JJ? And then, yeah, does does this kind of open the door too to give the Vikings a little bit more flexibility just in general for free agent spending? Forget internal, but also external guys too. Well, I feel I think this helps the internal guys the most 
because when teams are doing their books and they're navigating the offseason and they're planning, they they need to go look at the bottom of the tier of the list of like what guys where guys are at in terms of like dead cap versus, you know, effective cap that they can gain if they cut them. And so the guys that are kind of toward that bottom of the list that you're like you're you're on the waiver wire of you're you're considering like teetering on like whether we cut them or not because we need this X amount of cap space to free up and that flexibility, that kind of helps these guys that a team might be more willing to keep them now because they don't need that extra couple of million dollars because they got a little bit more cap space that they get to work with. So I think that helps the, the like bottom of the tier roster guys that might've been cap casualties. I think that helps in the short term. Um, and it just gives teams a little bit more flexibility with the guys that are currently on roster. So like, I think Garrett Bradbury is like the prime example to me. He's a guy that like everybody wants to move on from. He's a guy that like everybody has, has always seemed to want to move on from, even though he's consistently kind of, you know, gotten better. Um, but his contract is so cheap. And like for the level of play you're getting for him, the cap, the cap continuing to go up just makes it better for him or for you to keep him because he's a good player, but he's a super cheap player. And he's right. even cheaper now that all the free agents that are going to get paid, like that makes his numbers even more palatable. Um, like guys like that. And then I look at um, the other one I had earmarked was uh, I think Dean Lauer probably should, still should probably get cut. Yeah. <laughs> but We're good, uh, like Josh Metellus's contract, like they gave mm-hmm. him an extension last year. I don't think he was going to get cut by any means, but like that extension just looks even better for you because the cap keeps going up and he's getting paid like way below market rate. Like it's not good for the players all the time, but it might keep some of these guys that are lower in the roster, like their jobs. Like I, Bradbury was kind of like the prime example for me. I still think Dean Lowry probably goes, but like that's a guy too that kind of fits in that realm of like you cut. Is he a cap casualty? You, you want to keep him for depth, what have you? But like those types of players for me are guys that you like want to consider um, are a little easier to to like want to keep for those reasons. Um, but now you talk about going external. I think what it does is just helps you like being willing to spend a little bit more in upfront cash to get guys in the door mm-hmm. rather than just like backloading deals because you know that you have cap space coming in 25, 26, you know, 27 right now you could help, you can help your margins a little bit more early on in a contract. Like a JJ, JJ's perfect example. All right. Because he makes 19 something on the, whatever it was, you said four no 19 plus um, this year on his fifth year option. But if you can add a few million dollars to that, that just makes it even a better contract as you go. Um, if it's a you know four year deal, let's say, and he's making thirty five per, like you can just make it more palatable long term because you can help front load a little bit more than you might have if your cap wasn't as as large as it went up. So like there's some of those things, and then you got guys like Marcus Davenport, Daniel Hunter, Kirk Cousins who all have dead cap money. It does make it a little bit more easier to like control those dead cap numbers if they stay or go, but especially if they stay because then you can kind of spread that money out a little bit more evenly than you might have yeah. been able to when you had when you needed to backload it, you might be able to like take a little bit more on than you were probably going to be able to before because you didn't have that effective cap space that you, you do now. I like it. Uh, for no, anything else to add on JJ Kirk that we haven't talked about before we get to this mock draft at all. I think one of the interesting things, and it just got brought back up in a, in a chat of mine earlier today is the Vikings can't pay Kirk more than what the void year salary was. Yeah. The void year salary yeah, was 40 million average annual value. So they can't offer him a base salary higher than that. Now, can they, like, I'm not a hundred percent within a year. It's so, it's, yeah. so I think whenever, when do they do redo his contract? So it's like, whenever that contract happened, you have a year, you have to wait a year. So I think it's like the 13th. So I think it's literally the void, the void date. date. Yeah. The void so like that, believe. that year mark timeframe. So his void date's going to hit unless they push it back. His void date's going to hit. They unless can't they can legally push it back because the contract expires and they I can't push it back. Oh, yeah. Uh, they can't push the, it back. Yeah. Once the new league that. year starts, they can't push it back any mm-hmm. farther, which is why him, Daniil and yeah. Marcus Davenport all have that same void date. But well, they push, they push Davenport's back, but his is at the well, deadline now. Yeah. Like you said. They, they can't yeah. push it back any farther is what I mean. Further and, than that. Yeah, you're right. Like, and then Bill Barnwell comes out and projects an average annual salary of $51 million. That was insane. <laughs> I don't know whether that's him spitballing. I don't know whether he's right. trying to calculate his own value or uh, kind of what his thought process is behind getting that number because that number is on par with Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. It's in that bucket. And you could argue that, hey, he's a top 10 or borderline top 10 quarterback at worst. That's just the going rate. Because like Daniel Jones is making forty million, well Daniel Jones stinks, yeah. so maybe he's probably not going to go for that. But 
but there's also the question of what the Achilles is. And he released that workout video today. Well, there's a reason he released that video. He's trying to drum up some interest from other teams, especially going into the combine. Incredibly smart business decision on his part. But if somebody offers him 45, the Vikings can't match that. So, Mm. and you know what? If they can match it, but at that point, 28 million, $20.5 million hits dead. And then you're going to give him $45 million. That's an incredibly dumb business decision uh, from the Minnesota Vikings to do that with any player. Like you, you right. can't give a guy like a cap hit of like $65 million like that. You just can't do it. So it's pro unless the teams just don't want to give Kirk a lot of money and a lot of guarantees. I just don't see a world where he's coming back. That's where I'm at too. Like in the combine here is going to be huge with the, tampering and everything that basically starts to happen uh, around this time where I think they'll probably put their feelers out to other teams. And unless they get the sense, right, that like teams like the Falcons or the Steelers or any team that has money to spend the Raiders and they come back and say, yeah, we actually can't give you more than X amount of dollars. Do they come back? That's Kirk and McCarthy with their tail between their legs and basically say, okay, let's, let's do a deal on the Vikings terms or Quasi's terms. I, that remains to be seen, but I think this, this next week, man, is going to be, very telling to uh, leading up to that March 13th void date that kicks in, where it's going to be very cool to see. And what Forno said is the Vikings before the legal tampering period starts, like they, like we said, they can't offer him a deal more than 40 million. So they're, that's their negotiation right there. It's like, Hey dude, like this is, here's our, here's our contract offer. Take it or leave it because we can't legally do more. And also like, we're probably not going to extend you once that, that period hits. Um, where, you know, that 28 and a half million dead cap hits on the books like that. But this, the raising the cap does help kind of like eat that a little bit easier. And because that number is only going to go up if you extend them, that dead cap's going to rise because they're going to need to push that money out. And so I think that negotiation is going to be really interesting. But the Vikings did give themselves some leverage to say, hey, Kirk, if you truly want to come back, here's how you can come back. But if you want to go test the market, then we're going to have to say see you later and, and good luck. All right, boys, let's get to a mock draft here. Um, We've done most of these with the premise that I believe Kirk was gone. Do you guys want to change up that a little bit here? Do you want to do this with maybe Kirk Cousins being re-signed with the Vikings? Would you want to just play out this draft and kind of worry about the free agency decisions as they go? Let me ask you guys this, too. This is just a little random. Do you sometimes wish the draft was before free agency? Yeah, but it'll never happen because it's uh, that... So the NFLPA, the, the NFLPA doesn't care about guys who are coming in. They care about the guys who are already there and yeah. it kind of screws the guys who are already there. Right. So e- even though theoretically, like in other sports, the NBA draft happens before NBA free agency, but the NBA is such a unique enigma. Guys who are taken in the middle of the first round are often bench players. The first couple of years, like they're, they don't come in and they're automatically starters. Yeah. Like you would see uh, with a lot of first round picks in the NFL. It's just never going to happen despite how logistically it probably makes the most sense because the current players will never screw over their entire base like that. All right. So let's start this draft. Let's let's just play it out. Let's just play it out. Let's just, let's assume. Well, I, and I was going to say, you, you'd mentioned like whether Kirk comes back or not. I think quarterback is still going to be something they, yeah. they highly consider. And I think they're sure. going to be very like active and trying to do. Okay. We've done ones where we traded up before. Let's let's just stay at 11. And then if we want to trade back, we can maybe do that. So we did a little hyper speed here. We'll give you guys a little bit of a recap of what happened. So first three picks, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Bears, Commanders, Patriots, respectively. Those are the first three picks off the board. Joel Alt, the tackle, goes to the Cardinals at four. And then Brock Bowers to the Chargers with Jim Harbaugh there at five. Very interesting. Uh Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze go back-to-back, so two wide receivers, even three off in the first seven picks of the draft. Cooper DeGene, cornerback, goes to uh, Atlanta. A couple runs on offensive tackles, which means when the Vikings are now on the board, you're at pick 11, they have their pick of basically all of the great defensive players that are on the board. So Nate Wiggins is technically the BPA, according to Pro Football Focus here, um, he's the ninth best prospect and the Vikings are picking about 11th. What do you guys want to do here? Do we want to trade back with this like run of defensive players and by trade backs, like a couple spots. Do you want to just take the pick? What are we doing here in the war room? 
Well, if yeah, I'm looking at my board and my number three overall player is still on there. Now that's with the caveat of I have watched zero offensive linemen. I'm waiting on that because I just don't think the Vikings are going to take one early at all. Um, my best player overall is, on the board is Terry and Arnold. Uh, high first round grade. And at number three, to get him at 11, I think is an absolute steal. I think he's better than Wiggins. I think he's better than Mitchell. I think he's significantly better than Byron Murphy and Dallas Turner. Arnold can do everything on the back end. He's got an incredible click and close ability. He can attack the football and he's a very explosive athlete. It wouldn't shock me if he potentially breaks four, four, but I think he's easily going to be in the four, four as far as the 40. I think he's got a really nice change of direction and he has this ability uh, where he can stop on a dime with those hitch routes and not take those extra couple of steps. And that makes a really big difference when you're trying to attack the football and especially the NFL is adopting a lot more air raid concepts. You're seeing a lot more hitches and comebacks than you have in previous years because of being able to allow these guys to get easy completions and then be able to do something with it after the catch. So for me, it would be a slam dunk Arnold. I don't know if we'd be able to get records at trade value based on what my board looks like to say no to him, but I'd be willing to at least explore trade offers. I think you have to always explore trade offers because you never know when somebody's going to come up and give you a first round pick to go and get Marcus Davenport like the Saints did in 2018. Uh, What do you think here, Miles? Do you want to take Terry and Arnold? Do you want to take another player? Do we want to maybe like facilitate a call with the Colts or the Saints or something? Move down just a couple spots. Maybe one of these guys is still on the board. Where are you leaning? Well, so I'm with Borno and like if you're going to take a corner, take take Arnold. But I, I will say, like, because of the way the board fell, we're missing, like, J.J. McCarthy and Jane Daniels are both available. But mm-hmm. um, at the same time, you also have uh, – I, I only – I feel the Vikings, like, top two picks being one of three positions, quarterback, corner, or edge. I feel like those are, like, the three biggest, like, positions and of, of need and value that they should take within one of those first two, their first two picks. Um, and so I – I would take a receiver too. I'm not like anti that by the way, but like, I just think those are the ones that are the biggest needs. Um, but when you look at it, you have at least three cornerbacks that are worthy of like that top 15 range yep. in, in Mitchell, Arnold and Wiggins. And you have a lot of, you have, still have plenty of uh, edge rushers available in this position as well. Plus the two quarterbacks. So in my opinion, in this type of case, unless you have a clear cut, like we're, we're Fono saying Arnold's like his guy. Yep. If the Vikings don't trading back a few spots into gr- grabbing an extra, like, third or fourth is never a bad idea because you do have, as long as you have guys in the same tier, there's plenty of options still there at like 15, 16, 17, you know, in that range. So I'm never opposed to like trading back in a lot of these cases. Should we, should we try to facilitate a trade maybe with like the saints? What, well, uh, is, are the saints one of those teams? Looks like it's just the Cowboys and the Niners. So you'd be trading back. You can, you can also go back to like, you can trade yeah. with anybody. Yeah. But... You can also trade with, uh, we, that was one of the ones that was interested, but yeah, we could, if yeah. we wanted to, you know, in a hypothetical force a trade here with mm-hmm. the Colts. So I think gave... ideally you wouldn't want to go down to, I think the Cowboys are 24. Yeah. Agreed. I think that's just a little bit too far yeah, to agreed. really be able to go down and, and like, cause I, I think that 11 to 20 range is going to give you some really nice value, but I think you're going to see a decent enough drop off. Once you get into the mid twenties, where trading back unless you're getting like a one next year is probably not something you want to do. They are not interested in trading for this pick. Um, <laughs> we might just be forced to take the corner. Our clock's winding down. We don't want to go full, full Mike Tice either. So, let's so take we're Terry. like we're not considering. I, I don't think. I especially don't think Jaden Daniels has fallen to eleven. Yeah. JJ McCarthy, I think is. I I know people are talking top ten. I'm not saying he can't be right. I know, but I mean. think, you know, but. Mm-hmm. Those are those would be on the other options I'd consider, but like we anything could go is possible at this point. Because remember, that right 100%. after the combine last year, dumbasses like me were talking about taking Malik Willis a two. Like that, <laughs> that's that's just the reality of the situation. Right. Remember when the that. Lions traded up with us and we were like, "Oh my God, they're going to come get Malik Willis." That's what I thought. I was yeah, like, "Are they yeah. trading up to get their quarterback?" That's yeah, a, yeah that was funny. Like the the NFL draft prop that year for quarterbacks going around one was three and a half, and one went. Like one. It, and he, we and just, he wasn't even worth it. No, Kenny Pickett was the jaggiest jag that ever jagged, and he yeah. went in the first round. All right, look uh, at truly this. Truly amazing. So we took Terry and Arnold. 
We let the pack. The Packers are like, hey, and screw you, screw you, Vikings, screw goes, you. Goes to the Packers the pick before <laughs> with a trade up, or it might have been a trade up, or no, I think this is that was the Aaron Rodgers pick, right? Yeah. And then JJ McCarthy goes to Tennessee, actually. Uh, so that's a little interesting. So, like, there. let's play that out real quick, because Declan, oh if God. this was like kind of the case, I guarantee the Vikings are trading up from forty-two. Like, yeah, and, oh, like absolutely. I guarantee it. Like, if those guys start falling enough, I yeah, they would. They would definitely be trying mm-hmm. to move up to like that top, the back end of the of the first round. So I Agreed. think it's always funny yeah. how that plays out that way. And I oh think it's God. important to note for the viewers That's and hilarious. listeners that this board is based on what Trevor Sikama believes are the best players. Mm-hmm. It's based on his board, and it's not based on how the draft will actually go. Mm-hmm. So having these kind of simulations where guys will end up falling, it, it'll just give you a different perspective like hey mm-hmm. if that guy actually falls this is what it could look like right i think it would be uh absurd to see both daniels and mccarthy fall this far but it's not out of the question that one guy does fall levis fell to 34 last year right. he was what minus 600 to go fourth overall the day before the draft yeah. it, stuff happens so yeah. it, it's a good exercise to see what could potentially happen and right. not saying that it will or should but it's good that's to how, see different scenarios, and that's why mock drafts are so cool to keep track of. That's why I do yeah. my mock draft tracker for Vikings Wire every week to see what changes and how things flow week to week. That's how mock drafts, in my opinion, should be viewed because you can kind of do whatever you want in, a, in these mock drafts and get basically get damn near any player you want yeah. to like make it to your pick or, or go trade for him. Like you can maneuver it however you want. So like. Playing out the different scenarios is always fun because you never and the teams are doing this. I think that's the part people forget. Teams are playing out multiple scenarios because you never f- truly know what's going to happen until it happens, until it hits you. So you got to mm-hmm. play out those different scenarios to see what you're planning, what what you what you do. Okay, so pick forty two here, and Forno, you were mentioned Darius Robinson right as a guy to watch oh, the combine. I would pound the table for Darius Robinson right okay. now. He Can is you go to all the edge rushers. Uh, Declan, yeah. I just want to see yeah. who's available. Yeah. Chop went two picks before, and Chop right now is player four on my board. And I think once the combine is done, he's going to shoot up a lot of people's boards because I think he's going to test absolutely okay. freaky. Yeah, and he's way better in the run game than people want to give him credit for. He's just a little bit unconventional in how he plays the run, but he's a massive disruptor. Uh, like Ro- Robinson I, and Trice are the two guys I'd consider here. Yeah. I don't know yeah. enough about Ellis. To have a, an opinion about him, though. So I've watched all these guys on the board so far. Robinson right now ranks higher mm-hmm. than all of them. Um, let me pull up my my board. Um, Darius, Darius Robinson is at 24th with a high second. Um, okay. Austin Booker and Braylon Trice are tied 32nd and 33rd. And I think Jonah Ellis is just, he is not a good athlete. And I don't think Braylon Trice is a good athlete either. He kind of turns like a semi truck. He just does not <laughs> have the bend. He does not have the burst, but he's got the power and technique to be able to kind of win. Not power like Jared Verse. Verse is just on a different level as far as how he wins. But I would guess that Trice tests okay, but he's not going to test like a good enough athlete. Uh, Austin Booker, if you want pure athlete with a lot of upside potential. He is a better version of what Gregory Rousseau was coming out a couple years ago. Went round one to the Bills. Different style of player. If you like a good comparison for Booker right now is what Josh Sweat is for the Philadelphia Eagles. Really athletic, really long. Doesn't have a lot of mass on his frame. He's only 240 pounds. But you get him in a real strength and conditioning program because he's only 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And you get him to just build up some of that natural strength because he does know how to win with leverage. And he's got an incredible athleticism to win around the edge and also to win on the inside. You could have a top pass rusher in two to three years, and he can be a rotational guy right now. But like Jonah Ellis, I just think he's nowhere near a good enough yeah. athlete to be thought of in this spot. I gave him a fourth round grade. And to me, he, he's a very productive player, but without that athleticism, without that ability to really uh, find that key move to be able to win consistently. I don't like his ability with counters and just the lack of athleticism to me knocks him down. He does have the pro pedigree. His dad, Luther played for the lions. He was a former first round pick and his dad was a part of that Utah coaching staff. So, you know, he's got a little bit there, but the athleticism just isn't to me. It's Darius Robinson all day, hyper athlete, strong, long arms, productive, able to win from multiple spots 
And in a Brian Flores defense where you're asking guys to do multiple things, you put him at five technique in base packages. You move him inside. You move him outside. You can be multiple, do some overload stuff with guys like him, Hunter and Davenport. If those two end up resigning and you could be really creative and ask him to do a lot of different things without really having to worry about him losing effectiveness. The only other guy I was looking at was Gabriel Murphy. I don't, I think he's an underrated prospect. I think he's long. I think he's athletic. He's he not long opposite. at all. He doesn't uh, even I, have thirty-one I, inch arms. I meant, I meant like long, like height-wise. But like in terms of like, uh, like playing opposite Latu, he uh, like got overshadowed because he had to play against opposite Latu. But he put put together a lot of pressures, and he's explosive off the edge. So he's just someone I like. I'm not saying I would have taken him at forty-two. He's just someone I like in that like like mid to mid mid to late second round. See, I, I I'll disagree there. I watched him over the weekend. He's only 6'2", and he, he really doesn't have a lot of great athleticism. They actually put him inside because he was quick enough to beat guards, mm-hmm. but to get around the edge was not something he really thrived with. I think he's a fourth, fifth-round player, and the highest ceiling he's going to reach is a rotational edge guy. I don't think he's ever going to be somebody that you're going to want to count on consistently because he just lacks that length. He lacks that true great athleticism to really bend around the edge where... Latu's not a great athlete either. He's going to be above average, but he's mm-hmm. so technical and so physical that it just kind of counterbalances that. And that's why he has a first round grade pending medicals. I just don't think Murphy's that guy. So I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree there. No, totally fair. All right. So we take a wide receiver here. We went defense, defense. We talked wide receiver on this episode of Purple Daily on draft. Do any of these receivers at pick 109 intrigue you guys? Not Baker really. Would be, Baker would be okay. And Malik Washington's more of that like, like gadget style style guy you'd want to go with. But um, I'd also want to look at like interior line and running back. I was going to mention Max Melton as a guy I just wanted to see in the combine. His brother is Bo Melton for the the Packers, but mm-hmm. um, I was just curious to see how he's going to run. Um, okay, I know so I've you. seen, I've seen estimate. Is it S estimate? I don't know. Estimate, yes. his, um, I've seen a lot of people talk about him. I've seen a little bit of his tape. Um, he's like, kind of like, I wouldn't call him a true bowling ball, but he's got that build. Like he's a stocky type build, yeah. but he's uh he's better than I think I expected him to be when I watched him. Okay. He's got more impressive speed than you would expect from someone mm-hmm. in size, but it's not elite. It's just, no, it's very good size adjusted speed. Yeah. I uh, agree with that. I don't think he's going to break away from anybody, but I think he's got that. He might, I think he's going to have a good 10 yard type split, which for a running back is important. I will say it, if we didn't take cornerback at 11, mm-hmm. I'd pound the table for Jarvis Brownlee jr. Just yeah. an absolute dog. Uh, very, very aggressive player. And I was really impressed with him at the senior bowl. And then I turned on the tape and became even more impressed that this dude can fly. He's aggressive. And he's got that same ability of Arnold where he can just stop on a dime and really stay in that hip pocket of receiver on those breaks and make plays on the ball. His teammate Quincy Riley might be a first round pick next year. That Louisville backfield was Mm -hmm. awesome in 2023, but I don't know if you want to spend another pick on corner considering what's already in the room and how many yeah, young players yeah. there are. You don't need a ton of more young talent. You need to develop what's there. Or if you don't believe in them, then you take another guy. What but, does D-line look like, Declan? Like interior, not not edge, but D-line. I was D-line. just curious who's available. Because that's a position that's def- desperate of need, too, uh, for this Vikings team. Interesting, guys. McKinley Jackson is kind of a bowling ball. Mm-hmm. I, I watched his film last week. Came away relatively impressed. I think he's... He's built like a like a nose tackle, but rushes like a three technique, and he can hold double teams really well. Christian Boyd, I think this is too early for him. He struggles dealing with power and balance. It went like that those kind of issues. So when he's taking out a single team, he doesn't really sense the doubles well, and he can get knocked off of his block relatively yeah. easily. Uh, I thought of the games I watched, one of the worst games he had was against Iowa State, and that happened to be the best competition he played. But he also fared relatively well against SDSU and NDSU, two powerhouses in the world of FCS college football. Mason Smith is an interesting guy. Haven't got eyes on him yet, but he is a hyper athlete, kind of plays a little bit of a combination nose and three tech can do a lot of different things. I'm excited to get eyes on him. Um, I think McKinley Jackson would be an interesting option because of the versatility he he offers you on pass rushdowns. And now you have Robinson to play a five tech. Harrison Phillips is probably not a guy you want to play nose consistently, but he can do it. And I think Jackson's kind of the same way. So you could 
you could find versatile ways to use all of these guys on the defensive line. So I would probably lean McKinley Jackson here. Okay. And I think you need more bodies there than you do at running back. I, I mean, it's, it's yeah. nice to get a running back there, but you, you have way more needs at, on the D-line. Agreed. Okay, so pick 130 here. We're doing a five-round mock, I believe. Uh, so best player on the board is Jordan Travis, quarterback out of Florida State. For of you watching Jordan Travis, I know you're a big Florida Gators fan. Look, as a just as a prospect, I'm out on Jordan Travis. Okay. Like, not only is he going to be 24 years old, he doesn't have plus arm talent. He's more of a gamer. If you want like a, a backup kind of guy, I think Travis is the dude. But as a developmental prospect, I'm 100% out. Plus, you he's dealing with a fractured ankle, so you're not really going to get to test him at all throughout yeah, the process. And being at 24 years old and really not being able to do any of that kind of testing, that's going to crush him in the draft process. And, and it's not fair to him. But it's, it's sometimes it's just reality when you're talking about these guys. Benson's a guy people have at RB1. Um, I'd rather, I, that's that's where I'd go here. I was going to yeah. say okay. he's um, he's on my short yeah. list to watch this week. All right, let's. Take I'd go back. Benson, but to talk about Travis, like you already have, uh, you already have Jaron Hall, and I don't yeah. think you need. I'm like Jer- let Jaron Hall be that kind of quarterback in your room. I don't think you need to. Mm-hmm. Add, if you're not going to go first round, early second round, let let Jaron Hall kind of be that developmental guy. All right, pick one forty five. Jordan Travis still mm-hmm. there at the Vikings. Uh, back on the clock here. Do we want to go interior offensive line? Did we watch Cooper Beebe? Is this related to Chad Beebe? No. Uh, to my knowledge, Cooper Beebe is not in the same family as Chad Beebe. Uh, look, Cooper Beebe is a very, very good guard. Kind of a mauler. Great in space. He can, uh, that Kansas State offense, Chris Kleiman came from NDSU. And at NDSU, they ran an incredibly diverse running game where you're doing a lot of zone and man gap power concepts. He took that offense to Kansas State. So Beebe's got a versatile repertoire of what kind of plays he can run consistently. I like the idea. I also think he probably goes end of round two, early round three. I was, was so going to say would be too, yeah. an awesome yeah, value. Um, mm-hmm. If you want a developmental quarterback and you want to cut ties with Jaron Hall, I think Austin Reed is a great one. He's uh, comes from an air raid system at Western Kentucky, but he's got plus arm talent, something a lot of those air raid guys don't have. And if you can get him working with some NFL style concepts and work on some of those progression elements, I think Reed could be a very intriguing player, but you already have Jaron Hall, so that one doesn't make sense. I think Cooper Beebe's a slam dunk. Okay. You need, you need guys who can play multiple positions on the offensive line, and you need guys who don't cost a lot to be backups. I think the Vikings need to go in with at least two guys on rookie contracts uh, with their depth offensive line. I mean, you still bring back Blake Brandle. You probably bring back Oli Udo. Maybe Austin Schlotman. But then after that, two rookies. And they can be options 9 and 10. They don't even have to be priority options. But you want to keep developing. Two picks left here at 157 and then 166. Well, there's Forno's guy, Joe Milton. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <sighs> Look, Joe, Joe, the idea of Joe Milton is great. You think he'd be an awesome football player. You can throw the ball a country mile. Like Declan, you could play quarterback in that Tennessee system. That's what I heard. He stinks. And it's unfortunate because there's a lot of raw talent, but there's zero consistency. When you lose jobs to Cade McNamara and Hendon Hooker at the college level, that tells you everything you need to know about what his pro potential is. It's just not there. He's a guy that walks off the bus, but that's, that's about it. (laughs) And like, if you move it, he might, he's, he's a guy that should just try to move positions, but I don't, I get why he's not going to, but. I feel like that's just something he should he should be pushing to do. He'll start in the UFL in a couple years. Yeah. What about JD? Is it Bertrand from Notre Dame? I'll be honest. I really don't know much about Bertrand. Um, okay. His uh, teammate Marist Liufau, I think is how you pronounce his last mm-hmm. name. It got a lot of attention at the Senior Bowl. I, I don't think either of these guys are going to test athletically that impressive. Uh, okay. And I think that's going to be a big issue, especially in the modern day NFL. You have to have guys who can do stuff in coverage. You have to have players who can move athletically, not just forward, but sideline to sideline. And that lack of ability to go sideline to sideline is why Ivan Pace went undrafted. It has nothing to yeah. do with his, his general athleticism or the pass rush ability, which we know is really good. But the aptitude to be able to go sideline to sideline, it wasn't there. And I think that resonated a little bit in Minnesota this year, despite how impressive that rookie season was. And 
I think the biggest concern with Bertrand is going to be some of those same things, but I don't, I haven't had full eyes on him. So I can't really speak other than uh, generalities of what I've heard from talking to people. Off ball linebacker is also an underrated like need besides mm-hmm. Ivan pace. And cause we don't know what Brian awesome was going to do. He hasn't really, he's been yeah. kind of got phased out. I know he was hurt, but definitely got phased out last year. And then uh, Hicks is a, a, a pending free agent as well. So yeah. kind of curious where they, where they, where they go at that position. Speaking of that position, I love the idea of James Williams here. He's a safety, but that dude is probably like going. Yeah. You know, he's going to transition a linebacker. He weighs two thirty five at six four. He's you think a, they're just going to move him completely. Yeah, I think so. He did a lot of linebacker drills in Mobile. He can. I mean, you can still okay. do safety, but in an era where versatility matters, and the Vikings did like to play three safety last year, which I still contend was out of necessity rather than Flores wanting to. Williams yeah. is a guy you could ask to do both Huge. things because he's big enough and athletic work enough to space. do both. Can work in space too, which is yeah. Good. Yeah, and I'm all for. I love those types of versatile players. Like you give me that type, like what you have with Josh and Metellus, but you got kind of get it in a, even a bigger, bigger mold. I'm all for it. Let's see what you did here. We uh, we got a B plus grade for the Tyrion Arnold pick, an A minus grade for Darius Robinson, B minus for McKinley Jackson, B plus for Trey Benson. A, A, A minus, A minus, A minus, an overall draft grade of B plus. Not a bad little draft here. So cornerback, edge, defensive line. So just meat and potatoes, going heavy on your defensive side there, your first three picks, and then a couple of offensive players too. All right. Well, see you, well welcome back, Kirk. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's, right? that's your run it back option. That is your run it back <laughs> option with Kirk Cousins if uh, that probably takes place. By the way, uh, we'll obviously be at the Fillmore in Minneapolis on April 25th for night one of the NFL draft. So uh, come hang out with us. Tickets are going to be free. We're going to be releasing information on how you obtain those tickets. Plus, we will have an option for VIP tickets to buy. Uh, just stay tuned. We're working on the final details of that. But you can mark your calendars at least. I know some people travel from out of state. Uh, it'll be April 25th, the Fillmore in downtown Minneapolis. It's right next to Target Field. If you get here early enough, the Twins are even playing a noon game. So if you've never been to Target Field, uh, you can go check out a ball game, then literally walk right down the steps from Target Field into the Fillmore. It's a pretty easy commute, so plenty of great parking options and easy to get to, uh, get there as well. Uh, that's Purple Daily on Draft every Monday right here. A nice, long 50-minute episode here with Combine Week and that mock draft season in full force. Hit that subscribe button for Daily Vikings Entertainment. We will be back next Monday.